0: A bondservant of Christ. We're going to be looking to Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, but let's begin with a word of prayer. Gracious Father, again, we just praise you and we magnify you, for you truly are worthy. For you are the God that created all things. You are the God that forgives. You are the God that has made a way that we can restore a relationship with you. Father, you are the God that gives life. Father, we owe it all to you. We owe you our whole lives. For you are the giver of life. Father, we worship you. We adore you. Father, we thank you for your Son. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And pray that thy Holy Spirit would be in this place. But Father, not only here. Father, may your Spirit be everywhere. May your Spirit be everywhere where those that have tuned in or are listening, Father. May your Spirit be upon them, upon us. Father God, touch our hearts. Our minds, Lord, help us to receive what You have for us. Father, make Your Word alive to us. Make it real. Father, I pray that through Your Word that we would come closer to You. Father, that fear would be gone. That all those things that could distract us and pull us away would be gone. Father, as we sang, turn your eyes upon Jesus. May we turn to You. Father, may we look to Your Son and and not be given to fear. May we not sink as Peter did when he walked out on that water. But Father, may we keep our eyes Focused on you, Father, each and every day, Father, may I just pray that you would guide us and direct us, bless us with your presence in Jesus' holy name, Amen. So hear the word of the Lord. Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the holy scriptures. "...concerning His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through Him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for His name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ." Brothers and sisters, receive that of whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. And he was Jesus, declared to be the Son of God. He is the Son of the living God with the power, according to the Spirit, of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. He is the first fruits from the grave, the only, the first one to rise to live eternal life. And because he lives, we too shall live. Amen? Paul calls himself a bondservant of Jesus Christ. A bondservant is one who is bound to serve. Bound without wages. A slave belonging to a master. The term bondservant in the New Testament is a translation of the Greek word doulos. I may not pronounce that right, but that's the way I read it. Doulos. Unlike the modern perception of slavery, a bondservant, a doulos, is a relatively broad term with a, ro- a very wide range of usage. In the New Testament times, a bondservant could be referred to as someone who voluntarily served others. But in most cases, the term referred to a person in a permanent role of service. A bondservant was considered the property of a Roman citizen holding no rights to leave his place of service. He couldn't just up and leave. He was bound there. Some historians estimate that in the first century, as many as one-third of the Roman population lived as bondservants. The New Testament also notes that Jews also owned bondservants or slaves. Bondservants, slaves, were very much part of the culture in Jesus' day. It was not an uncommon thing. Jesus included them in his characters in his own parables in Matthew 25 14 and 15 it says, "For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants, could be slaves, servants, and delivered to them his good, or delivered his goods to them, and to one he gave five talents to another two and to another one to each according to his own ability and immediately He went on a journey. Jesus taught that the greatest was the servant of all. In Mark 9.35, And He sat down, called the twelve and said to them, If any desires to be first, he shall be last. And shall be last of all and servant of all. If you desire to be first, desire to be great, you shall be servant of all. In many New Testament books, the word bondservant was used in reference to a person's commitment to Jesus Christ. Most of Paul's letters began by referring to himself as either a servant or a bondservant of Christ Jesus. James and Jude, half-brothers of Jesus, both referred to themselves as Christ's bondservants. The apostle Peter called himself a servant and apostle. But I know, friends, that it may be hard for us to understand this concept of bondservant or servanthood or being a slave because, I don't know about you, but I was born free, right? I was born free. I was born in the, home, the land of the free and the home of the brave, right? We were born free. So it's hard for us to understand this concept of bondservant. Professor Willem William, I'm not the able to talk here this morning, William Barclay reminds us about the real meaning of Paul's analogy. He says, when we think of a servant, in our sense of the word, we may think of a man who gives a certain agreed part of his time to his master and who receives a certain agreed wage for doing so. Within that agreed time, he is at the disposal and in the command of his master. But when that time ends, he is free to do exactly as he likes. But in Paul's time, the status of a slave was quite different. Quite literally, he had no time which belonged to himself. He had no moment when he was free. Every single moment of his time belonged to his master. He was absolutely exclusively the possession of his master. And there was not one single moment of his life where he could do as he liked to do. In Paul's time, a slave could never do what he liked. It was impossible for him to serve two masters because he was the exclusive possession of one's master. That is a picture that is in Paul's mind here in Romans. End of quote. His time belonged to his master. I'll ask, is Jesus your master? If you say yes, that means your time, your being, you belong to your Master, if you call Jesus your Master and Lord. I know that slavery was a common practice in many ancient societies, in Egypt, China, the Middle East. A lot of slaves originated from the spoils of war, though some were through kidnapping, and as I said, some voluntarily indebted themselves to a master to pay off their debts. And the treatment of slaves, as I'm sure it's went on through history, is, is varied. In many cases, you know, they were treated harshly, treated bu- bu- uh, brutally, treated very badly. And you know, God knew. God knew man, didn't He? He knew what men would do. He knew how man would treat humankind, how, how He would treat His brothers. And God established laws. You know He knew that men would make slaves of men. So He established laws. And you know, if everyone that had a servant, had a slave, had a bond servant, treated them according to God's word, the laws that He established, none would have been treated harshly. None would have been treated harshly. Even if they were slaves, they wouldn't have been treated harshly. In Exodus twenty-one, one through six, it says, "Now these are the judgments which you shall." Set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve you six years, and in the seventh he shall go free and pay nothing. Serve six years and you're free to go, if you choose to go. I just stated that. And if he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife, and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be masters, and he shall go out by himself. But if a servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges, and he shall also bring him to the door, or to the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. So you see, some would treat their servants, or their bond servants kind. Because they'd say, no, my master treats me well. I'm doing okay here. I'm fed. My family's fed. We're taken care of. I'm in a pretty good place. I'm going to stay. This, this, This master is a good man. I'm going to stay here. But you know, by establishing laws, God's laws, we are not to think that God was pleased that man would make slaves of men. But He just knew what man would do. It was not pleasing unto Him. But he knew that man has been given the free will to choose. And he would choose to do such things. So that's why he gave them laws. And we know that sadly, slavery still exists today. Modern slavery includes such things as forced labor, human trafficking, sexual exploitation, debt bondage, forced marriage. I mean, I've found examples of forced marriages under 10 years old. I mean, these things are horrible. Most victims are women. Most victims of slavery today are women because many of them are forced marriages or forced domestic work. They say one in four modern slavery victims are children. Children are also found in every form of slavery Most people today when we think of slavery we have a very negative thought think very negatively of it because of the harsh treatment that many receive in slavery in modern day in the modern day Though in ancient Israel the institution of slavery served as a form of protection for many, as I already said, about the debt. Many would find themselves in such severe debt that they would be facing starvation. So rather than starve, the poor could sell themselves to their debtor. Rather than die, I'll become your slave. I'm not saying, I mean, it had its place. It had its place. At least their life could be preserved. If they was a Hebrew, hey, six years, I get things together, I can go free, right? But they could find them place themselves in a place where they could not afford to pay their debt. So, at least they were taken care of. I know it sounds like I'm saying not all slavery is bad, but it had its place in that day. And the law was there to protect them from harsh treatment. The main point of Paul's statement, I believe though, was this. To impress upon the readers of this letter, which is us today, as well as the Romans that it was written to them, that he fully grasped his indebtedness to Christ. That's why I'm talking about this debt thing. See, people would get so in debt they could not pay it, my friends he understood that he was so in debt that he could not pay it. It says in Ephesians 3.8, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given to me that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul understood that he owed that debt. He could not pay it. He could not repair He could not repay the damage that he has done. Paul would drag the Christians off, throw them into prison. He would stand there. We know that he stood there while Stephen was being martyred. They laid his clothes at his feet. There is no way Paul is going to repay the damage that he did to the church. He knew that. He understood his indebtedness. My friends, do we understand our indebtedness? Only Christ, the sinless One, can pay that debt for the murderer. Only Christ, the sinless one, can pay that debt for the adulterer. Only Christ, the sinless one, can pay that debt for the idolater. Only Christ, the sinless one, can pay that debt for that liar, that cheater, that stealer. just Whatever sin you want to put in there. Fill in the blank. Only Christ, the sinless one, can pay my sin debt. Do I understand my sin debt? Do I understand? Do we understand? Paul was willing to say that my life is no longer my own. I have to make myself a bond servant of Christ. I will give up my rights. He's saying, I am a slave for Christ for the rest of my life. Is what Paul was doing. That's what he understood. A slave for Christ because he knew that truly to be a slave of Christ, my friends, was the only way to be free. To be a slave of Christ, a bondservant of Christ, is the only way that we too can be free from our sin debt. The Bible says that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Romans 8 9 through 13. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. And we're talking about eternal death. You will die. But if by the Spirit you put the death, the deeds of the body, you will live. You will live if Christ is in you. We are debtors, not to the flesh but to the Spirit, to Christ. 1 Corinthians six, nineteen and 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. That's not my words, friends. It's His. You are not your own. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Which are God's. I want you to look to the person next to you and say, You are not your own. You are not your own. You are not your own. You are not. I hope you believe that with all of your heart. Because it is true, my friends, it is true. You are not your own. If you've repented of your sins and believed in Christ, you are not your own. You belong to Him. How many times have we sang that old hymn? Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. We might sing it with our mouth, have thine own way, Lord. But in our hearts, we're saying, have mine own way, Lord. Have mine own way. Aren't we? Come on. We want our own way, we want what we want. Let's just not sing it with our lips. But let's live it with our life. Truly, have thine own way, Lord. Paul set the example for us. Paul would call that title of bondservant a title of honor, for he willingly subjected himself. He was called to be an apostle. It says, separated unto the gospel of God. Separated, as used here, means set by a boundary. We need to have boundaries around ourselves, don't we? We need boundaries, and the boundaries I'm talking about is the boundaries that we no longer do those things that we did before. We may not associate with the people maybe that we, we used to associate with. We have boundaries, limits. That's what it says to limit. That's another one. To limit, to divide, set apart, to not go outside the boundaries of God's will. If you will, do not go outside the boundaries of God's will. Jesus called Paul to separate himself from his old ways. God spoke to Ananias to go and lay hands on Paul. In Acts chapter 9, 13 through 15, it says, Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. He is a chosen vessel of mine. God separated him. My friends, if God can use Paul, He can use any of us. We are called. We are called. We are called to separate ourselves from sin and the ungodly activities of the world. I know that we can't go outside this world. I mean, we're living in a world where there's sin all around us. But we need to separate ourselves from it. Ephesians 5, 11 and 12 says, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. It did not say, have a little bit of fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but have no fellowship. No fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. If we voluntarily serve, voluntarily become bond servants. Our time is not our own. Our mind is not our own. Our bodies are not our own. These hands are not our own. They're, they belong to Him. This mouth, this voice belongs to Him. Romans 12:1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Not a room. Are we willing to be a bondservant? Are we willing to separate ourselves? I found the, a little illustration. The great violinist... Niccolo Pagani willed his marvelous violin to the city of Genoa, on condition that it must never be played. He didn't want anyone to ever play that violin. And the wood was of such an instrument, or the wood of such an instrument, while used while it was handled, it would wear only slightly, but set aside, it begins to decay. Pagani's lovely violin has today become a worm-eaten, useless item, except to be a relic. A Christian's unwillingness to serve may soon destroy his capacity for usefulness. Do you want to be like that old violin? We need to be willing to serve. The last verse of our scripture said, Among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. We must all take that verse to heart. For you are the called of Jesus Christ. As I spoke a week or so ago, yes, we all have different parts to play, but I believe I can say with truthful, truthfulness that you are all called of Jesus Christ. I don't know exactly what each of you are called to do, but I know that you are called to serve Him. I believe that we are called to say, I am not my own, Lord. I am yours. That I am indebted to you. I think we can all say that. Is anyone here absolutely sinless? Anyone here that has never sinned? Then you are indebted to Jesus Christ. Because He paid the price for yours and my sins. And all who are listening. He paid the debt for all. All who would receive. All had received that amazing gift of God's love. Amen.